this is Sunoy in Svensland. I'm here with um, Greta Dyb. You're a child psychiatrist and former president of the ISTSS. Greta, you're currently planning and conducting the fourth wave of the Utøya study of survivors and their families following the terror on Utøya in 2011. Can you tell us about what you've learned from your work? You know, uh, I think the first thing we learned was that they really wanted us to talk with them. Um, you know, after a horrible event such as a terror attack, you wonder, is it ethically sound to um, do a study like we did uh, only four months after the terror attack? And, and is it possible to do this in a way that they feel is uh, appropriate and, and that they really want to share their experiences with us? And we were surprised uh, that they really wanted us to come to their home and ask them about what they had experienced and how their reactions were the first months and how they had tried to cope and, and get their life together. Also, we talked to their parents and we underestimated how the parents were traumatized from this event. Uh, trying to help their youth getting their life back on track and trying to care for them in a situation that was really where they felt helpless. Um, they were traumatized by not knowing if their child was going to come home alive. And uh, it was difficult for them to know how to support the youth. So the way, the, what we did was that we went systematic through all the things that we thought was important for them. And after that, they said that, some of them said that this was the most systematic help they have gotten. Uh, that's, that's, that's kind of scary to think about. Um, but also after the interview, we had the possibility to ask them if they had some unmet help needs. Uh, so was there any way we could help them in getting adequate services? We would do that as kind of a, a safety net around our study. And I think that are the really things that we learned early on. And then after that, of course, we, we learned a lot about the data that we collected. Um, and uh, doing this study with young terror survivors, we didn't really know what to expect. Can you tell us something about what you actually learned from the... Because you've been following them for a while. Yes, we, we asked them about post-traumatic stress reactions and a lot of other health outcomes. And we didn't know, were they comparable to, for instance, shootings in the US? There have been so many shootings. Uh, or other events, what, what kind of events could we compare this to? Because these youth, they were hunted by the shooter for one and a half hours and and they were really in life danger for so long and they had horrible witness experiences and and they had losses uh, almost i think it was 70 percent of them lost someone that they felt close to uh, so the grief and the traumatic experience went hand in hand and we didn't really know how is it going to turn out in a sample of youth uh, and what we found was that almost 50% of them had clinical levels of PTSD for months afterwards. And, and of course, that's, that's really uh, a lot of youth that need adequate help 
in their trying to heal from the event. Um, and of course, we, we don't really know if they got adequate services, but we did what we could in trying to support them after the interviews, after the research interviews. We, we used its safety net to try to guide them back into the system. So most of them have had um, psychiatric services, mm -hmm. but also services from the community. Um, but what we saw was that after one year, uh, they had still a lot of healing to do, uh, but a lot of the services closed down because yeah. the society expects terror survivors to be healed within a year. And after a year, we saw that the challenges for them, they, was get, they were getting higher and higher because the society, the family, the community, they expected them to be back in school, concentrate on their work in school, mm -hmm. um, not having too much post-traumatic stress anymore. So they, they, were, they were feeling these expectations and these challenges mm -hmm. and that they needed more help after one year maybe than they needed in the early phases. So um, when then the services also closed down after a year, so that's, that's difficult then. It's difficult because they've used the, the services they got and there's probably no services that they can be um, transferred to. Yeah, because you did some uh, quali uh, some qualitative, you asked them about what they would have needed uh, or what they would have wanted. Yes. Could you tell us a little um, about it? About I, yeah, that? I think what they said was that we would uh, we would want the services to be more organized, <laughs> and then we can understand that. And also, they didn't understand what the services were for. So what what were we as clinicians out there? What were we trying to do? We were not, they were not really clear on what the goals were for the services they gave. And they also didn't know when is this gonna end. So they didn't give them a plan. And, and young people, you know, they're really reluctant to go to a therapist. So that made them even more unsecure about the whole help service thing. Hmm. Uh, what is this gonna be helpful for? And how long am I going to be here, you know? And also some of the therapists told them right away that they were not trauma uh, experts. So there was a lack in trust also in if they were getting the help they really needed. Uh, so I, I don't think we have a lot of trauma experts out there in the clinics. And some of them really just also told them that. And I don't think you should do that. If you come in with a broken leg in the emergency department, you don't usually tell your patients that I've never seen a broken uh, fracture before, so I don't know what to do with it. Then you seek help. So what the service provider should have done was to seek help uh, to do trauma um, practice with them instead of mm -hmm. you know just telling them right away that it's actually nothing I can do. Um, so I think they, they lost a lot of, of confidence in the services by that, by the being a little disorganized, not really planned. They were not taking uh, the youth into the discussion of what they needed and how long this would, would take. And also they should have been more uh, explicit about that 
what they did was good for, for you if you're traumatized and not saying, well, you can talk to me, but I don't know how I can help you. That's, it's, that's not really building confidence uh, in uh, a situation like that. Yeah, so the matter of trust would be something that would be your particular... Yeah, I yeah. think you have to trust your therapist yeah. if you're, if you're going to have confidence that this is going to help you. Um, and in a situation like that, they have lost trust in many things. Uh, they have lost trust in institutions mm. like the police. Uh, they've been through the legal system as witnesses in court. They have experienced a lot of things in a very young age uh, that they were not expected to do in, uh, in many years, you know. So being a witness in a court case like this when you're 16 and you've lost two of your friends is just a very dramatic situation to be in. So you need that, when you seek help, you need that people that try to help you, that you have confidence in them. Otherwise, it will feel like you're, you're just um, being left out there with someone who's really not a helper. I, I Greta, now you are um, uh, planning now that you've been planning the fourth wave, it's mm. actually eight years That's eight year since follow up. this uh, happened. Mm. What have your thoughts been about uh, how they're doing now and uh, your worries? Could you tell us yeah. a little about how... I think my worries were that uh, so, so long ago, eight years, uh, will they be willing to do this again? I mean, they've done it three times already, many of them. Will they be able to to join the study again do they have time and do they make the effort to do it so far it seems that there's a lot of positivity out there and they're really embracing the study so far so hopefully we have designed it in a way that's helpful for, for them and that they will also feel that the safety net is still needed because we have uh, upscaled the, the safety net and that is due to that the victim support group that they have have told us that there are so many people out there exposed to this trauma that have unmet help needs. Um, that's kind of worrying because we already tried to help them three times and the municipalities and the communities stepped up for them, at least in the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, so why is it that they still fall between chairs and do not get the help that they feel that they need. Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting in contact with them and see what is this, how can we help them uh, to heal better? Because it seems like a lot of them have not healed from their uh, post-traumatic stress reactions, from their sleep deprivation, from pain that they still have. And uh, these are young people, they have a whole life ahead of them, uh, so they need to get the help um, to get back, get their life back, uh, so that they can get back, get back on track. Uh, it's so important so that they can achieve things in their life that they had hoped for before this event happened. Mm -hmm.